Good morning, CLC, and Happy New Year to everyone out there. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Jared, and I'm part of uh, your board of directors here. And for those of you that do know who I am and you're wondering, what is Jared doing up there? Honestly, um, I'm wondering the same thing myself. So uh, actually, apparently, there used to be a tradition here uh, at CLC where the board chair would give the message on the first Sunday of the year, and for some reason, for somehow, they decided to bring that tradition back uh, this year. Um, but as Pastor Calvin said, uh, it is our 100th year as a church, and we get to celebrate that anniversary, so it does kind of seem fitting to bring up some old traditions. Um, plus, you know, if you think about our name, Christian Layman Church, we really found it as a layman church. So uh, here I am this morning, uh, just a regular layman uh, giving you this message. So uh, bear with me a little bit. And then actually a little bit later, I'm going to invite uh, another fellow board member, David Liu, up here to share a little bit about his experience on this morning's message topic. So uh, look forward to that. Um, before we get started, why don't I open us up in a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the new year. We thank you that we know that you are faithful year after year, day after day. Uh, God, we thank you that you have given us your word and that we get to spend some time this morning in it, uh, just really hearing from you. God, I pray that the words this morning from my mouth are not my own, but that they come from you. And I pray also that you get rid of any distractions and any hindrance um, from people just hearing what you have to say to them uh, this morning through your spirit. So we pray that your spirit is here uh, and, and with us, and, and would you just be speaking loudly and clearly. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I wanted to start off this morning with a question. How many of you have heard the audible voice of God? Any, I, I, right now, I should probably just have you come up here and give the message instead of me. Uh, I would say that I would love to hear the audible voice of God, and that's something that um, maybe someday God will speak to me in that manner, but um, to this day, can't quite say I've done that. But um, I, I feel like there's often this desire for us to have that experience, right? We're often, how often in life do we just wish that God would speak to us in an abundantly clear way? How many of you feel like you've been seeking God's voice but heard nothing, right? There, there's so often in life that we are looking for uh, God's guidance. God, what do we do in this decision? What do we do with that decision? What do we do with uh, the injustices that we're seeing in our world, the, 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 the divisiveness in our country and in our church? And we say, God, what are you doing in this moment? What are you saying? What are you speaking to us? You might feel like he's been quiet and you're tired of trying. Um, but let me tell you, if you take one thing from this morning, let it be this, that God is speaking. He is speaking uh, not just in biblical times, but he's speaking today, and I believe that God is continually and creatively speaking to us um, every day. And the question for that is, are we listening? So uh, this morning, I'd like to take us through the story of Elijah. Um, This passage has been of encouragement to me over the years. Uh, I think I heard a a sermon like maybe a decade ago that that really stuck with me, Um, and honestly, I'm borrowing a lot from that this morning. but we get to follow the story of Elijah as he experiences both highs and lows with, uh, in his walk with God. And more importantly, we get to witness how God walks with Elijah. 
and how he speaks to him and cares for him and is compassionate. And so this has been an encouragement to me, and, I, and I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that this morning that likewise it can be an encouragement to you. I do feel like there's something quite daunting about the uh, first Sunday uh, of the year, uh, and there's a lot of times like January is a time that people make resolutions, right? And we always joke like, oh, how many days are you going to go before you give up and things like that. And my goal this morning is not to give you just one more thing on your to-do list for January that you're like, oh, these are all the things that I need to do to better myself this year. Um, But rather my goal for this morning is just to remind you of who it is that we serve and how he continues to speak in our lives today. Um, and, and my hope, again, is that that'll be an encouragement to you. So uh, the story of Elijah, we, we, we pick up the story in 1 Kings 17. Um, you'd think that at this point in the story that, that Elijah would be on a spiritual high because he's coming off an amazing string of spiritual victories and mountaintops. He was appointed by God and spends time out in the wilderness. There God feeds him by having ravens come bring him food. A little miracle in itself, right? From there, the country goes into famine, and God sets Elijah up to stay with a woman and her child who feed him with a single jar of oil and flour that seem to never run dry. If you've been in Sunday school or you grew up in the church, you probably heard this little story. And just shortly thereafter, the the woman's son dies, and Elijah prays to God, and God revives the son. Like, how often in life do we want to see some amazing miracle like this? And, and Elijah gets to witness this firsthand and gets to actually be a part of uh, God moving in that space. All of this then culminates in this amazing victory on top of Mount Carmel in chapter 18, where you're probably, again, familiar with a story where Elijah goes head-to-head with 450 prophets of Baal. He has them set up an altar and asks them to pray to Baal to send down fire. And I actually like, there's a little line in, uh, in this chapter where Elijah even throws in a little bit of sass. He's like, maybe Baal can't hear you. Maybe he's relieving himself or asleep. Um, and it is then that Elijah then repairs the altar of the Lord and dumps buckets and buckets of water on it uh, and prays to God, asking God to show himself uh, such that the people would know him and return their hearts back to him. And if you know the story, God shows up with an all-consuming fire that consumes the offering, it consumes the wood of the altar, it even consumes the stones and all of the water. Uh, and there's this amazing victory of God uh, and his faithfulness. And again, Elijah gets to experience this. Uh, and then on top of that, right after that, uh, if you ever wonder who is the fastest person in the Bible, I would argue that it is Elijah. Uh, because shortly thereafter, God gives Elijah the super speed to outrun a chariot, and he outruns Ahab to go to the next city and meet him there before Ahab arrives. So you would think that after this track record of faithfulness, that Elijah would never question the faithfulness of God. He wouldn't doubt his calling, and he would not get tired, because he has seen God's goodness, he has seen God's faithfulness. And yet right here, and we're going to pick up the story in chapter 19, Elijah does all of that with just a short period of time between the top of Mount Carmel and this amazing display of God's victory, um, because of one person and one threat, uh, Elijah runs. So we pick up the story in 1 Kings 19. This is uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 1. <clears throat> so Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he, and this is Elijah, he was afraid, 
he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. So Elijah, who in the last three chapters clearly demonstrates that he knows that God listens when he prays, has now given up and is even asking God to take his life. Have you been there? Maybe not to the extreme that Elijah felt in that moment, but have you ever been on a spiritual high? You've seen God's work, and you felt his spirit guide, or maybe you've seen him give you direction or something like that. But then you come across an obstacle or some circumstances, and all of a sudden you forget God's faithfulness. And you just start questioning him, questioning God over and over again, and you're wondering, where is God in this moment? Where is God speaking, and why am I not hearing him now? Maybe for you, you, you you've seen, uh, we, we've talked this past year about racial injustice, and that's been highlighted this past year, and, I, and honestly, the past couple of years. Or you've seen the divisiveness that the pandemic has really kind of um, opened up in our country and our politics and um, everything, and, and, and even the divisiveness in the church, and you're wondering, God, what are you saying through all of this? Sure, God has been faithful in the past, but where is he now? Have you been there? Have you had that thought or those questions? This is why I love the story of Elijah. And and actually, this this first Kings passage is uh, probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Just because um, Elijah is so relatable, right? We we feel like we know God, we're, we're, we're doing well, and then all of a sudden something comes and we give up hope. Um, and, and in this story, Elijah demonstrates his humanness, uh, and, and we just get to kind of walk alongside him and, and hear his story. And again, just more importantly, hear how God uh, walks alongside Elijah. So uh, we continue in verse 5. And he, so this is Elijah, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a At his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Did you catch that? You might think that God, having demonstrated his faithfulness to Elijah, would be upset and disappointed with him. God did all this amazing stuff, and now Elijah's just doubting and giving up. But instead, we get a beautiful glimpse into God's gracious compassion. He doesn't get mad at Elijah, but instead, his instructions to Elijah are, have a snack, take a nap. Have a snack and take a nap. How many of us need to hear God say that to us today? The other piece I like about this passage is right there towards the end of verse 8, that Elijah then goes to the Mount of God, to Horeb. And I like that even in the midst of his doubt, Elijah is running towards God. So uh, we continue in verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, 
I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even only, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and of Abel Meholara, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So, God, in all of his creative ways of speaking, in this moment in Elijah's life, chooses to come to him in a whisper. A whisper. Just a quiet whisper. Not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but a whisper. I, I, I like to think of all these other loud, boomy noises as distractions in life. Like, how often do we find our, that God's voice is drowned out by all the other competing voices? We have competing culture, competing worldly wisdom, uh, and we often find ourselves not listening to God's voice, and sometimes not even listening for God's voice. Um, but instead, we listen to the voice of the enemy, the voice that casts doubt, the voice that says we're not good enough, the voice that says we are far too sinful or broken to ever be able to have a relationship with the Father. And we listen to the voices of media, the voices of peers, the voice of gossip, the voice of contempt, the voice of deceit. We listen to all of these other voices except for the voice of God. So you might ask yourself, why, why a whisper? I personally, I, I love this picture of a whisper because a whisper is only heard if the person whispering is extremely, if not uncomfortably close. For some of you, you, you think of someone just whispering in your ear and you already get goosebumps, right? It's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, right? But they have to be incredibly close. Uh, some of you may know that I have a daughter who recently turned one. Uh, my wife Tiffany and I, we were happened to be listening to uh, a podcast we don't do this that often, but we were on a long drive. Uh, we were listening to a podcast that talked about how babies learn to emotionally regulate. Uh, emotional regulation, just some fancy term for how they learn to deal with their emotions. Um, you see, babies don't know what to do with emotion. They are learning everything from scratch and encountering new experiences and emotions day after day. What are they supposed to do with them? But what they do pick up on is how we, their parents, deal with emotion. Which is why you often hear that the best reaction to a baby screaming or crying or throwing a tantrum is to remain calm in that situation, which is hard to do, but they, they say you should do that. Um, this is because for the, the baby may not know how to deal with the emotion of fear or an emotion of discomfort. 
But what they do see is how we as their parents can sit calmly through that same situation. The, the term for this is called emotional co-regulation. Uh, and this actually happens quite often with my daughter. Um, there are times where I will just be carrying her and walking around the house, and I'll go into a dark room or a closet, and for some reason she doesn't seem to like the pantry. Um, but in those moments, I can feel that she's afraid. She'll be, like, sitting loosely in my arms, and then all of a sudden, like, wrap her arm around my shoulder and grab on really tight and pull herself really close. And honestly, sometimes she grabs a little bit too tight, and you can feel her little fingers dig in. But even though I know that she is scared in that moment, I actually enjoy those moments. You know why? It's because she's right here. She pulls herself close, and her face is right next to mine. And I get to whisper in her ear so that only she can hear. And I say, Daddy's got you. I know you're afraid, but I am here with you. I'm here with you in this moment. And I feel like that's just such a beautiful picture. Like how often do we think that sometimes in our chaos or in our pain, God is just holding on to us and whispering in our ear, Daddy's got you. I'm right here with you. I'm walking with you through all of this. God comes to Elijah in a whisper. Elijah recognizes his voice and draws near. And it is in that whisper that God isn't disappointed or judgmental, but God is compassionate, full of grace. And then even in those last couple of verses, God gives guidance for Elijah on what to do next. Like how often do we want, God, what do I do next, right? So sure, you may be thinking, well, great. This is a cool story of how God spoke to his prophets thousands of years ago. But what does that look like today? And for that, I'd actually uh, like to invite my fellow board member, David Liu, up to share just a little bit about how he listens for God speaking and, and then how God has been speaking to him uh, in this past year. So uh, I... Earlier this week, I, I gave David a couple questions, and I'm, I'm just going to ask him those questions and uh, have him share a little bit of his uh, response to them. So, uh, David, can you share with us a little bit about how you listen for God speaking? Yes, I would love to. Can you, can you hear me? Okay. Um, this just comes from a place of, of practice. It's not like I'm an expert, and that's why Jared asked me up here. <laughs> It's through a lot of trial and error, and so I just me sharing kind of what practical things have helped me throughout the years. Um, two things that came to mind when Jared gave me these questions earlier this week was, um, one, we got to filter out noise, and two, um, meditating on what is good, filtering out the noise and meditating on what is good. Um, and I'm glad that this kind of worked out really well, because I, I hadn't heard Jared's sermon before, and... It, it really matched up. It's just kind of God's providence. Um, so filtering out the noise, uh, there's just so much competition in our lives for our attention. Um, not one of which is just parenting. I, I have a household of three boys, uh, six, three, and one, and there's quite literally always noise in my house. Just the other day, my one safe space, I was just in the bathroom, and Jack barges to the door and just says, Dad, are you are you pooping? <laughs> I, I there's just always noise in my house, and it, it's same thing. Work. I, I know that so many people have been working from home this past year, and 
there's no longer that separation that we have, right? It's almost like you're always tied to work. There's so much media input, all of our, our news feeds, social media, even our consumption of, of media. Uh, as someone who's finished Netflix personally, I, it's so easy and so tempting to just kind of turn on the next streaming service. Um, so one thing that's helped me over the time is really just nothing fancy. It's scheduling time with God, just putting it in your calendar. Uh, schedule time to unplug, to just get away for me, that's going outside. I I always like to meet with God just outside. I am away from my phone. I'm away from distractions. I'm listening to worship music or a sermon, uh, and it just helps me to filter the noise and really focus on what God's trying to say. The other thing, uh, meditating on what is good. Um, I guess I'll just preface it with an example. I uh, uh, A lot of my patients will ask me, you know, what can I do for my cardiovascular health? What can I do to improve my, my diabetes or prevent my stroke risk? And there's a lot of nuance in that, of course. But when it comes down to it, when you just look and filter, it's all the same answer. It's it, you, there's eating right, um, exercising, getting enough sleep, reducing stress in your life. It, it's very simple. Uh, and they look at me, and they're very disappointed. Uh, and they, they want a second opinion. But um, I, I preface what I'm about to say with that because it's, it's, it's not going to be exciting, to be honest. When we meditate on what is good, we, we have to, there's no shortcuts, right? You kind of have to put in the work. Uh, and this next one is, in terms of how we listen to God, practically, we, we read the Bible. Um, we have God's word given to us, and it's amazing that he gave us a book. And books are meant to be read. Um, and so we have to read. Uh, and that's coming from scripture. We have to read the word. And there's just so many great books out there, too. Um, there's sermons that we can listen to. There's podcasts. Uh, we just have to consume good content and meditate on what is good. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is just uh, people, surrounding ourselves with the right people in our lives. And that's things like mentors and disciples people who can, who we, we trust to give us feedback, to um, really speak truth into our lives. Uh, and that's been so important for me over the years is having various mentors and disciples in my life. Uh, so those three things have been really practical for me, scheduling time, um, reading, and, and just surrounding myself with people who can speak truth. Awesome. Oh, oh, and... As, uh, as board members, we should really set the example. So I think our, uh, our next board meeting, we should clear our distractions and just go to Hawaii for, <laughs> for our board meeting. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing just some of the practical ways that, that you engage in just intentionally listening uh, for God. Uh, I, I'd love to ask the second question for you, and, and that's really, it's like, what is an example, of, even in this past year, of how you felt like God was speaking either encouragement to you or giving you guidance? Yeah. That's, to be honest, I haven't really come to a good answer for this. I I think the overarching big picture for me this past year is that God's been really encouraging me by just telling me that he's with me. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool your, your sharing about Carissa um, and just in those, time, in those times, just her feeling your presence and that you are with her and that's kind of what I've been feeling um, 
with God this past year. Uh, it's been, <laughs> I, I don't know how to summarize it, but I mean, it's been quite a year to be in healthcare. Um, it's been quite a year to be anything, right? To be a parent, to be a student, uh, a teacher in ministry. Uh, it's, uh, there's no words to really describe how difficult a season this has been for all of us. Um, but the one thing that has been just reassuring this whole time is that God is, God is with us. Um, and that we have Jesus, right? Emmanuel, God with us, walking with us. And I, I can't tell you just how reassuring that has been. And, and Elijah is so relatable, as you said. And so for me, like so many spiritual highs. And then the next day I'm running away afraid. Um, and there's been so much fear for me this past year. I've, I've admitted, I, yeah, actually I was the doctor who admitted the first COVID patient in the East Bay. And since then, just because of the nature of my work, when I work, where I work, I've probably admitted more COVID patients than most doctors here uh, in the Bay area. And it's just so much exposure. And this whole time, every day before I go into work, I just, I just pray for peace. Um, God just overwhelmed me with his presence and that's been the most really helpful thing for me is just feeling God is near um, I'm sure much much like Carissa feels with you Jared well uh, thank you David for sharing just a little bit of your testimony of how God has been um, just faithful to you and I uh, really appreciate your wisdom and, and listening heart uh, on the board and uh, so thank you for sharing with us this morning thanks Jared so I'd like to kind of, kind of wrap us up uh, by helping to point you in the right direction. Uh, so so I, I love what David shared because uh, the practicals of listening, I, I think, line up pretty well with actually the list that I was uh, coming up with as I was preparing for this morning. Um, so here's a short list. Uh, it is by no means an exhaustive list. I think that the scripture has uh, descriptions of over 30 plus ways that God has in the past spoken to his people. And, and honestly, I believe that God is creatively finding new ways to continue to speak to his people. Um, but again, here's just a short list to get you started and thinking. Um, scripture says that God speaks through his audible voice, right? First Kings 19 is a demonstration of Elijah, which I believe and understand it to be that God spoke his audible voice to Elijah. Scripture also said that God speaks through his word. I love what David shared, that, like, honestly, God has given us his word, and so much of us is like, we want to just hear the audible voice of God, but yet God has already given us his word in which he speaks. Um, and it is not just relevant for 2,000 years ago, it is relevant for today. Uh, scripture also says he speaks through his son. His son is the embodiment of the word, and, and we get to hear Jesus' words uh, in the Gospels, and um, that's just another way that God speaks. Uh, it also says he speaks through his spirit. So God has given us the gift of his spirit for those that call um, God our Savior. And, and, and he then uses his spirit to, to lead and guide us and give us nudgings. And um, I, I, I truly believe that his spirit is one of the, like, the more powerful ways that he speaks through us or to us today. Uh, scripture also said that God speaks through his creation. Uh, another example that David shared is that he likes to just get outside, right? How often have you seen just like an amazing sunset or sunrise or been to Hawaii and you just get to look at God's creation uh, and you just marvel at, at God and who he is? And I think 
uh, in those moments, right, we get to see a beautiful way in which God speaks through his creation. Personally, I love going on hikes, just getting out there. Um, and part of it is just because in that quietness and in the beauty of his creation, um, I feel like there is God speaking, God giving peace, and God saying, look what I have done. Like, I, I've got you. You're, you're okay, right? Uh, another one, God speaks through his people. Uh, if he didn't speak through his people, there'd be no reason to have church. Um, and, and I love that, you know, God chooses to speak through his people, through discipleship, through mentorship, through our fellowship, uh, together with one another, through our home groups, uh, just through the conversations we have with one another. And I know this has been challenging during COVID, right? And it's kind of changed the way that we think about church and the way that we think about community. And it's also given us just this new refreshed idea that, man, a lot of us crave community. And I think that's because, partially because God chooses to often speak through his people. Another way is that God speaks to us uh, in prayer. Uh, perfect example is Romans 8, where he talks about um, the Spirit interceding on our behalf. And again, this ties back to God speaking through his Spirit. But uh, another great way for, for God to be speaking to us is through prayer. Uh, and then the final one on this list, and again, this is uh, not exhaustive by any means, but uh, is God speaks through worship. Um, that's kind of why we do worship week after week. Uh, just this musical worship helps us get into this posture of listening and praising and glorifying God. And it is often in that and in the words of others and through the music that we are able to hear God speaking. Uh, if you want a biblical example of that, go f- no further than Second Chronicles 20, where an entire army is listening and worshiping God and God speaks through that. So as we enter into 2022, there are undoubtedly many voices in our lives competing for our attention. What if instead of those voices, we choose to listen to God's voice and trust that he is speaking to us today? As we continue in the uncertainty of the pandemic, let us listen for God speaking. As we as a church celebrate our 100th anniversary, let us listen to God speaking. You may remember uh, a couple weeks, actually probably like six weeks ago or more, um, Bruce came up here and shared a little bit about our current situation with SDA. We have since then found this amazing space for children's ministry at the church office. I know I've been blessed by that as well as many families. So praise God for that solution. But that is just one way in which we as a church just said, let us pray and listen for God. Um, And we will undoubtedly continue to face new challenges as a church. And as we continue to face those challenges together, can we as a church and can we as your board of directors Can we adopt a posture of listening for God's voice and block out all the other voices and not just react to the circumstances in which we find ourselves? As we feel overwhelmed by injustices in our world or just the divisiveness of our nation or or our church, um, would we not listen to the voice of the enemy that says that any work towards reconciliation is futile, but instead would we draw so close to God that we can hear him whisper, so that we can hear his guidance and then we can hear that he is right here with us. So I said this at the beginning, um, and I'll say it again. God is speaking. Are we listening? For those of you that feel like you've been listening but heard nothing, or maybe you find yourselves feeling uh, a lot like the tired prophet Elijah, you're not alone. This is why I love the story of Elijah. We get to see a compassionate God care for and even come up with creative ways to speak to Elijah in that moment. For some of you, maybe what you need to hear from God right now is have a snack and take a nap. I know that I hope that God tells me that right after this church service. (laughs) 
Uh, or maybe you just need to hear him whispering in your ear, Daddy's got you. I am right here with you. In whatever pain, in whatever you're going through, in whatever uncertainty, I am here holding on to you and I've got you. Or maybe for you, you just need to tune out the other distractions. You need to tune out the the booming loud wind and earthquake and fire. You need to t- uh, tune out the other voices in your life and really lean in and hear God's guidance for what to do next in life. So I, I told you at the beginning that I, I don't want to give you just another task for you to do in January to add to your list of resolutions for this year. Um, and, and really, there there is no do A, B, and C, and you will hear God better, right? It's not that. Instead, I'd like to encourage us as a church that no matter what we are going through, whether as a church or individually, I would like to encourage us to adopt a, a, a posture of listening. Let us lean in close to God, so close that we can hear his whisper. I would hate to uh, speak all about listening for God and not really give us an opportunity to start putting that into practice. Um, we're going to wrap up pretty soon and, and actually enter into a time of communion and, again, worship. Uh, and for some of you, this may be the perfect opportunity to sit and reflect, to quiet all the other voices in your head, and uh, to just really listen for God. We can start right now this morning. For, other you, for others, you may be wondering, well, where do, where do I even begin? Um, and for those of you that are having that question, I'd, I'd like to give you the statement to complete, and, and really it's just another statement to reflect on. Um, it's, I hear God most clearly when I blank. And fill in the blank for yourself. And then my encouragement to you this year, and, and as we leave from this morning, and, and, and really start off this new year and this idea of new beginnings, um, would you spend more time and more intention in that space? Right. I'm not saying do more of that and God will speak to you, but I do think that the more, and I love what David shared, the more that we uh, spend time uh, you know, quieting the distractions and intentionally going uh, to the spaces in which we hear from God, um, I, I, I firmly believe that God will use that to speak to us more. So let us be a church that knows God's voice and follows him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we serve a living God. And because you are a living God, we know that you are still speaking to us today. God, your word in John 10 says that the sheep will know the shepherd and know his voice and follow him. I pray that we are a church that likewise knows your voice and can pick it out amongst all the other voices. And that in that we won't just hear your voice, but then we will follow you. And so as we go into this new year, God, would you be with us? Would you hold us close? Would you draw us near so that we can hear your whisper? Um, Would you give us what we need uh, to take those next steps? Would you give us what we need in the moments where we are uncertain or uh, where we are afraid and we don't know what to do? Would you just draw us near to you and would we be listening for your voice? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.